This morning for I come and share some, um, uh, Danielle and I have been talking about uh, her, just really just talking about her testimony, especially in the light of the last two weeks. We've just been talking about, you know, with Tom in relationship to healing, and then uh, Leah and Tammy just did an awesome tag team uh, duo last last week, and just really talked about faith and, and just really walking in it. And, and Danielle has just has a really just cool, unique testimony of God's faithfulness in the midst of a really, really hard, you know, situation. And and so I'm just going to get her to come and share that before I come and share. So come on, Daniel. Here, I'll get it. Hello. Um, first, I just want to say how wonderful Tammy and Leah's, t- like, their their time of sharing last week was, I thought. It really... I felt like it moved us. Um, it actually like moved us as a body into a place of he- healing and like into like forward motion, almost like a doctor would set a bone so that it could heal. I felt like that's what their message did last week, and I just thought it was really awesome. So um, I asked Mitch if I could share a little bit about my testimony in light of some of the recent things that we've been hearing from up here, and um, especially in regards to just faith and healing, and in particular, this word loss, keep hearing it, you know, loss, and it kind of, honestly, it, it grieves me a little bit to hear that, because I have this firm conviction and belief that there is no loss, never, never is there loss. And I have a testimony that backs that up, so I'm going to share it with you guys. Um, When I was 16 years old, my mom died. She had cancer for about 10 years, and we prayed for her to be healed. We believed she was going to be healed, and she passed away. And, um, but in that, you know, I just saw over and over and over again faithfulness of God, his redemption, and how he works all things together for good. He really, really does. And I feel like that my life bears witness of that, that he works all things together for good. So from this perspective, when I look at my life, I don't see loss at all. I see no loss. I see only gain. And I really wanted to share with you about that because I I just want our faith to be built as a body, you know. Um, I'm going to start by reading Psalm 107. Just some verses out of there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Um, I just, I've seen that in my life. I've seen him redeem over and over again. I've seen him do that in the life of my family. And I've just seen his goodness 
over and over again his faithfulness to us. Um, you know, when I was five is when my mom was diagnosed with a cancer. It was actually, technically it was like a fake cancer, but it behaved the same way. And they told her that she would have 10 years to live, and they told her she'd have to have multiple operations throughout her life to sort of get rid of that stuff, but that it would always come back. And they asked her about, you know, if she wanted to do chemo, and she kind of opted out of that because she just really wanted to live and not be not be weak. You know, she wanted to just live because they, they weren't really giving her a very hopeful diagnosis, even with chemo. They, they said it probably wouldn't help, but it, it might, but probably not. So, so we did. We just lived. And it was, you know, just it was actually a pretty cool childhood in a way because you know because my mom and dad had that perspective that okay here we go 10 years like they I really can tell now you know maybe I didn't notice it so much as a kid but I can tell now that they just chose like we're gonna have fun with our life we're gonna live we're gonna enjoy things we're not gonna like fuss over little stuff we're gonna just live enjoy our kids and have fun and that's what they did so it was pretty cool and back then you know my parents were Christians and we were in a church. We didn't really understand that the Lord healed, that he wanted to heal. We, we didn't really know, like, the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. We just kind of, we were unaware of that. We were just, you know, unlearned in that respect. So, um, and then when I was 10 years old, we moved to North Carolina. Praise the Lord. It was really cool because <laughs> it was cool. I was living in Florida. We were living in Florida before, and... Um, my mom, she told me, she's like, Danielle, you know, I was 10 years old. She's like, I really believe God wants us to move to North Carolina, so you got to pray, okay? I was like, okay, you know, and so I prayed, and we prayed that he would provide for all of our needs, needs, and then we moved to North Carolina, and we met the Tangalaxes at that time, praise God. I don't know what we would have done without them. They're awesome. So, um, and we just lived up there, and God just, God started meeting us even more as a family. Um, we met a wonderful, we just came into fellowship with some really wonderful families that, that were awesome. We still didn't know, but, you know, we didn't know he wanted us, he wanted mom to be healed. We didn't know about that, but we were just cruising, you know, in that fellowship. And, um, and then right around 12, I, like, it was so funny. I kind of, like, woke up one morning, and I thought, you know, I need to know God. Like, I know of him, but I need to personally know him. And I started reading my Bible at that time. I was just 12, and I was like, I just want to I just wanna see what's in there, you know? And so I started, like, eating the word, just, just a little bit, little bites, you know? And no one, like, told me to do that. But I just knew, like, it was time for me to, like, have my faith as my own conviction. So I just started taking, like, little nibbles of the word. And um, so then at 14... That's when, okay, so something really cool happened with mom. She went to this weird, like, tent meeting. It was really strange. <laughs> and, and there was this guy there, and he would operate in gifts of healing, and he was a, a violin player. His name was Maurice Scalar. He, he plays for Benny Hinn sometimes, often, actually. He was there, and um, he was, like, doing his thing, and he was, um, he was giving out words of healing, but... Um, he looked at mom and he said, spirit of rejection, I command you to come out in Jesus' name. And she kind of like flew back and 
just experienced a really radical deliverance. And it was so cool because at, from that time, like, it was like the cap came off of Sandy Vitelli, you know? Like, she just was, she was herself, but she was, like, more of herself, you know? She was, like, everything that was in there just started coming out, like, these cool gifts and just even cool parts of her personality we hadn't got a chance to see, you know, just started all coming out. And she, she just had a radical encounter with the Lord. And, and she got healed. She got healed from, from that cancer. Okay. I'll come back to that, but she did. She got healed. Um, so then we started hanging out with these crazy, like, tent meeting people. And then a few months later, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at 14 years old. And it was just like, for me, the cap came off, you know? It was like, cool, like, like gifts coming out and cool, like, boldness and fire coming out and all kinds of cool things, and just empowered by the Holy Spirit, you know, it was awesome. And following that, you know, um, she, she experienced the healing and she wanted to check it out, so she actually went to a doctor. And he took a look at her and he was like, I don't understand what I'm seeing here. Basically, he didn't see any trace of that cancer. It was gone. She was healed, just like that. So um, during that time, a, a lot of cool things were happening. There were healings and just learning a lot about the spirit and just really cool stuff. Um, her, her cancer symptoms started coming back, though. Started, like, just coming back little by little. And But there was still a lot of cool stuff going on. There was, like, healings happening. And she actually would would flow in these healing gifts um we went to this one meeting her and i one time i was you know i was still young i was like 15 or 14 it was called women's aglow and she just got up there and shared her testimony even though she had symptoms of cancer coming back she shared she shared her testimony and people came up like everybody came up and people just started getting healed of stuff like dramatic healings you know so there she is with symptoms of cancer going on in her body but she's like still functioning in this healing and people are getting like dramatically healed it's pretty cool i was like watching that i was like wow like god's up to something here you know it was awesome and then (laughs) i'll tell him another time so um in our body we're in our church body right now by this time our whole a lot of our communities hanging out with these crazy tent meeting people <laughs> and learning like from the Lord. Um, so we're experienced healing too, and we're being trained in like the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. And one day I was I was climbing. I love climbing trees still. And I was I was up in a tree just hanging out with the Lord. And um, I guess it was the Lord. I mean, you'll see it a second. I don't know if it was with him or not. But <laughs> and my dad comes up to me and he's like. Danielle, come over here. I want you to pray for this woman. She needs healing. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. You do it. And he's like, get down here right now. He has a big voice, you know. <laughs> and we're sitting here, like, shouting at each other. I'm up in a tree. And he's like, get down here right now. I want you to pray for this lady. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. You have power. You go do it. And he was like, you're my daughter. I'm telling you right now, get out of that tree and come over here. So I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I went over there and I prayed for her. and. She, I, poor thing, you know, I'm just a kid being, you know, kind of a silly, stupid kid. And um, she's like, she's got kidney failure. Serious, you know, really serious stuff going on. And so I was like, had the worst attitude ever, just bad. But I like prayed for her just to appease dad, you know, I'm like, okay, Jesus, whatever. We just speak healing in Jesus name, blah, 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 something, praying in tongues, maybe. And that's it. <laughs> and 
left. And the next week, we get, we, I see her, and she said, you know I got healed. Like, no kidney failure. I mean, that was it. I was like, interesting. <laughs> I really didn't expect that. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so time went on, and um, mom's symptoms got worse. Um, her body was just basically shutting down by this time. Um, there was all kinds of nasty medical stuff we endured as a family. She had to get um, this thing, I think it's called TPN, but it was basically nourishment directly to herself because she couldn't eat anymore. So she had like a tube in her arm, and she would every couple hours get this bag of nutrients that would go to her and, and keep her basically keep her alive because she couldn't eat. And then things went downhill more, and then she had to have, like, a tube in her nose to to pump stuff out of her belly because, basically, her organs were just shut down. So we lived like that for maybe a year, something like that. And all this while, you know, we as a community, we're just praying for God's healing. We're just praying. She's praying. We're all just praying, you know, for God's healing and just believing for that. And um, when I was... So I was 16 years old. I just turned, it was, it was on my birthday. Um, I went on this like mountain climbing adventure with a buddy of mine and, and then this, this other, uh, my friend's dad, just to celebrate my 16th birthday. And I was, I remember just, I was really sensitive to the spiritual atmosphere, you know, and I remember like being up on that mountain and just feeling like just the, the, like, atmosphere of death or my family and just raging, you know, and I, like, I'm like, we should, I just feel like we should go, so we left, and, and I had, like, 10 calls from dad, and he was, like, we thought your mother was gonna pass away, you know, and, and where were you, and I was, like, I was mountain climbing, I told you about this, and, and he was just, like, you know, he was out of it, so, um, yeah, that was crazy, and there's this, also this one time, I remember, where after, right after she had gotten surgery, the basically the doctor said, like, hey, look, like, this is it. There's no hope. I can't do anything. Like, she's dying. That's it, you know. And I remember, like, hearing that. And it was with, I mean, everything that we did, we did in community, you know. So there was, like, you know, probably 12 other people there and all hearing the same diagnosis. And, and um, I remember it was, like, I just felt like hopelessness and death kind of like crowding in. You know how like maybe before you're going to pass out, it's like black starts coming like this. I felt that, you know, and then all of a sudden I just remembered the Lord. I just remember being like faith, you know, and I was like, and I made this comment. I was like, no, like when she gets healed, it's going to be all the greater of a testimony, you know, and like I just felt this like rise up inside of me and and like. And then I felt like everyone just pity me, you know? Like, everyone was like, poor thing, doesn't know what's going to happen, you know? And it just vexed my spirit. And then there was one guy there, his name's Pastor Rhett, he was like an old friend of ours, who just started laughing, like, with joy, and he was like, the faith of this girl, you know? <laughs> and I was like, that dude gets me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, he reads me, you know? But I just remember that, like, just that, feeling that, you know, in the spirit. So anyway, um, then on, she passed away on March 27th, 
she went to see the Lord, and praise the Lord, I got to be there. I was, like, present when that happened, when that transfer happened. And it was so cool to me to witness a person who I knew my whole life, my mother, in the bed, and she's there. And then the next thing I know, she's not there. Like, there's a body there, but I had no, like, um, sense of affection for that thing lying in the bed, you know? It was like, so, it made it so real to me, like, our souls and where we belong. Like, it just became so real to me to, to see that, you know? Because I just, I, like, I looked at her fingers and I was like, those fingers, like, brushed my hair. But they didn't. That's, those aren't the fingers, you know? It was like, I was trying to, like, wrap my head around what I, you know, what I was seeing, but there was just no connection to that because she was gone. She was with the Lord. She was no longer there, you know? And, <clears throat> I mean, it made it really, it just made it really real to, to let go, kind of, and just be, just, like, understand what happened, you know? Like, wow, like, she's going home, like, to her real home. That is so cool, you know? And, um, sorry, I'm going to jump back. Like, before she had passed away, I was laying in bed, and I don't, I didn't spend a lot of time sort of meditating about, like, maybe her dying, that potential, but, um, I, I was laying in my bed, and I heard kind of like a voice or something say, like, what if your mother died, you know, and I was like, what if my mother died, I was like, well, I'd probably freak out and never talk to anyone again, and they'd have to, like, admit me to a mental facility, most likely, and then I heard a different kind of voice say, no, you wouldn't. And I was like, well, I'd probably just rely on the Lord every single day for the rest of my life. And, and the voice was like, that's exactly what you do. You know, and I just like, because by that time, by the time, like when I heard that voice and that happened, like I was already just obsessed with something I couldn't see. I was, like, infatuated with a person I couldn't see, a place I couldn't see, and, like, I just, I just was addicted to that, you know, that place that I knew was home. I knew that this wasn't home, because I had been, remember, I had been munching on the word since I was 12, like, starting to, like, understand and, and search out what is that place, that place that I can't see, but I know where I belong. I belong there. And I'm just going to read this scripture that really, I mean, to me, it it was exactly, I, I was watching that play out in, in our lives, basically. And it's Hebrews 11. By faith he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country. In a land of promise as in a foreign country. It's his land of promise, but it's as if it's a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And going down, these all, in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. 
And truly, if they called to mind the country which they had come out of, they would have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And that's where mom was, that's where I'm going, and that's what I was, like, completely obsessed with, that place. You know, Abraham, his feet, his tents were in the land of promise. But to him, it was a foreign country because he knew that there was a city whose builder and maker is the Lord that he was waiting for. He died in faith, not having received that promise. My mother died in faith, not having received that promise. But we're waiting for the city, you know? We're waiting for that homeland whose builder and maker is the Lord. That's our real home. That's where we really belong. This is just incredibly temporal, what we're living right now. Just so finite and so not where we belong. We really don't, like, we don't belong here. We weren't made for this place, okay? So, um... Just to let you know the timing of all of this, um, in the years to follow, I just, God met me over and over and over again through people he put in my life, through just supernatural encounters just with me and him over and over. I mean, he, he brought me, like, mothers to help me, like Kathy, and so many others were just there to walk beside me, and... Um, and he, he just delivered me. You know, for seven years, I had a I was dealing with a stronghold on time. So, like, around my birthday, because remember, she died seven days after my birthday, I would just get, like, really nauseated and kind of sick for a season. And that happened for seven years. And then um, one day in Croatia, I was with Rick, and I got delivered from the spirit of death and grief. Woohoo! <laughs> and with that, I, like, never experienced that again, that kind of, like, sickness that would come on me around my birthday. That never came back. And it's really cool, the timing, because um, I, this Thursday, I'm going to be 30. It'll be my birthday. Woohoo! And it's cool because it's been seven years since I've been set free from that stronghold. So it's, I don't know, just the season of even giving this testimony is pretty cool because it's, you know, so, um, but, and then I just, like, how God, like, he brought me here and comforted me, you know, how he, like, I would have this vision of um, sometimes just feeling overwhelmed by, like, grief, and I would see it almost like a mire, you know, and I'm telling you, like, I would just reach up my hand, like, reach up, because remember, I'm fascinated with that person I can't see, remember? So I just would reach up my hand be like, God, I just need you to help me. I just need you to pull me out of this. And every time, never failed, no matter how deep the, like, grief was, I would see him reach down and just pull me out of there, just, like, hold me, you know? And that would just be me and him, like, wherever I was, like, him and me just just in that place. And um, it was cool because I um, I drew that one time at a, at a prayer prayer time here, there's like this, I had this big piece of paper and I drew like this swampy stuff and, and then I drew this hand, I had the, or I, I used paint, did my hand like coming out of it, reaching, and then this tall, wonderful dude was hanging out and I was like, he's got pretty big hands, he'd be a good God, and it was Ben, <laughs> and I had, I had Ben dip his hand in gold and, and portray that, like that rescuing hand, you know? which was really cool. That was like years before we, you know, we were dating or anything like that. So um, anyway, God was so good to bring Ben, to bring Crystal, to, to Nick, and, you know, just like 
comfort us over and over again. So um, anyway, here's, here's where we're at. 14 years it's been. Almost exactly, you know, on the 27th, it will be her 14 years of life with the Lord. So, um, and here's what I know for sure. I know God wants to heal. He wants to heal everyone. He wants to heal them all the time. I don't care what I saw. I know that that's true. He wants to heal every single person. He wants to heal every single disease all the time. That's what's in his heart. I know that Jesus accomplished the healing already at the cross. I have no doubt of that, and I'll go down spitting that truth, okay? <laughs> I also know that God is so, so, so good. He's so good. I've seen it over and over. So, so wonderful and good. And I just, third, fourth thing is I would never have traded my life for having her back. I would never do that because... You know, he works all things together for good, and I'm so confident and sure of his goodness and his redemption in my life that I could never, ever trade that to have her back, even for a moment. I would never do that. Like, if I could change and if she would be healed, like, I don't think I could choose that. Like, just because I've seen his goodness in my life so, in such an overwhelming way, just his faithfulness, you know, I mean... He's just too good. I I could never do that. So the point is, like, he works all things together for good in such a way that, like, the good that you experience is so great you could hardly even comprehend any other type of good, you know. That's what he does, and it's extremely complete what he does. Um, So what I'm saying, and this is my confession over this year, it's um, Psalm 6511. I believe this not for myself only, but I believe this for dwelling place, this confession. This is what 2014 is going to be. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. That's what I believe we have in store for us, goodness and abundance, in Jesus' name. Now, having said all of that, I would like to invite you all to some things, okay? (laughs) So... Here's what I want. If you have a pen, I encourage you to write this down. I'm serious. Okay? Number one, I want to invite you to receive the pleasure of the Lord because as Leah told us last week, like, well done, good and faithful servants. Okay? So receive the pleasure of the Lord. Number two, I would invite you to look for God's goodness. Just look for his goodness. In every aspect of your life, look for his goodness. You will find it for sure. And then number three, I want to invite you to continue to walk with Lindsay and Tristan in faith, in faith, okay? We walked with them in that whole process with Brandon. We were awesome (laughs) to walk with them in that whole process. And I want to encourage you all to continue to walk with them in faith, believing that he's going to turn all things together for good, that he's going to redeem every second of it, that he's going to continue to heal, comfort, and just bring so much goodness into their lives and just do it in faith as we walk forward, okay? And again, I want to just say, you know, there's no loss. There is absolutely no loss at all. And um, as far as death is concerned, you know, I would encourage you not to try to reconcile with it because it's not our created destiny at all. It's something we have to put up with right now because we're in the tyranny of the enemy. We're dealing with that. 
like we we aren't created to deal with death like like our created purpose was not to experience that so the fact that you have inside your heart or your soul this like agitation with death you're not able to settle accounts with it you're not able to like reconcile with the fact that that happens that's just the fingerprints of your father on the inside of you that shows you that you are you have his dna and you are his children because you can't settle with that that reminds you that you are created to live in a place that you can't see and with a person that you can't see that you're created for an eternal home that's just a reminder you weren't meant to experience death so don't bother trying to reconcile with it. Let that agitation kind of lead you into your home. Let it lead you into hoping and waiting and trusting for your home and for, for your father. So, okay. That's it. Okay, I just asked Mitch if he'd just let me say a couple of words just to tie into what Danielle was saying because, like she said, we had walked so close uh, with the Vitellis and um, in Brevard, and uh, it's been, you know, quite a blessing to watch God operate in our two families. I mean, outside of my marriage to Kathy and outside of just how he put me with the family that I have. The Fatellis is the next thing to come along that was such a God thing. There's just no denying it. And, um, I mean, Lou and I and her dad would have made a great reality TV show. But anyway, the reason I wanted to say something was because, you know, when Danielle was talking about there is no loss, um, I just wanted to share with you because I know we're, you know, we pray for people to be healed and and sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't, you know. And um, But in reality, is that really the truth? <laughs> because uh, with Sandy, um, we got to see the worst of the worst in the natural of what she went through. Kathy, we, Lou and I bought almost 60 acres of land. We put two houses up there. Uh, they lived really close to us. And um, so in the end, when Sandy was really at her worst, Kathy would have to go over every morning, change her dressing, and do all this. So when I say we were close, we were really close. And um, so just at the very end, um, when she had gone to the hospital, and it was, you know, outside of the Lord stepping in, this this was definitely it, uh, I got this dream. And um, it was the night before, and I got this dream, and it and God made it really clear that um, at 10.42 the next morning that God was going to heal her. And, uh, of course, I, I woke right out of that sleep. I mean, I was, like, set straight up. I, I believe I woke Kathy up. I don't remember. If I get the story wrong, ask her. She'll correct it later. But, um, so anyway, so uh, so I woke up and I told her. I said, God is really, I mean, like, bang, She's going to be healed at 1042 the next day. Well, so then I couldn't really sleep anymore. So the next day, um, we get this call that we, you know, we need to get to the hospital. because this is a, So a lot of people show up. And everybody's praying. And, and we're in a group that is really, you know, claiming healing and, and all this. 
And so, but in the back of my mind, and I tell nobody, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking 1042, geologists, hang on. You know, and I have this own, my own creative vision saying, that, you know, at that time she's going to jump out of this bed and bang up and down the aisles and everybody's going to go crazy. So I'm kind of hanging on to that, but still not telling anybody. And uh, there's a clock inside the room she's in, right, you know, her bed fit, and right up is that clock. And I'm, you know, eyeballing and eyeballing it and coming in and out of the room and everything else. Well, I'm in the uh, waiting area with a bunch of people. We're all praying and um, just this is really getting towards the end, I believe, if I recall, that the family was in with her. And then um, I think um, somebody came out and said, Y'all, you know, you should, you should come in now. So we came in, and I was uh, – anyway, it's really tough. I mean, it's tough in some way, and it's glorious in another way. But, I, you know, I walk in, and everybody's around, and she's laying there, and, and all, you know, I'm watching the clock, and it's like, you know – and then 10.42, and that line goes straight. I'm talking about not 41, 43, right on 42. It was in the paper, 10.42. And, um, and that line went straight, and I heard. I couldn't do this if we were family, by the way. I heard write it so clearly. Now she's healed. And it gave me such perspective about healing. You know, yes, he wants to heal on this side. But the ultimate healing is on the other side. I mean, we hang on so hard to this place. But our home is not here. It's over there. And that's why when Danielle says there's no loss, there's no loss. I got four grandbabies in heaven. There's no loss. That's our home. And so I want to just say that to encourage you to hang on to heaven. You don't have to hang on to this place so far. When God heals here, he heals here, and that's a good thing. But when people go home, man, they go home, and it's not the end, it's the beginning. You know, we die one time, and that's it, and then we're gone. So hang on to the truth of that. How do you get up after that? Uh-huh. It's a good thing that might turn me down. Um, it's a good thing now that, as you notice, you don't have a piece of paper in your hand. <laughs> uh, just felt like the Lord would it never release me to even, you know, I'm always Mr. PowerPoint, Mr. You know, and uh, just felt like the Lord just never released me to do that this time. Just felt like the Lord just really has one word. Um, if you want to flip 
in your Bibles to Exodus 33, I, I think it goes along. So we're such in this, I mean, we're going to continue to bring it back, like such in this place of collision with culture and faith. And even just that testimony, it's, it's like it's like collision because all of a sudden when somebody goes to home to be with the Lord, is it loss or is it gain? I mean, that we can see, it's, you know, for easy, it's easy for us to say from this perspective if we've never lost, you know, of course, yeah, it's gain. But when you have to go through that and walk through that, it's a tough place. You know, most of us have gone through some form of death or somebody has died. We all went through that as a body with brand. But the cool part about that is that we can stand with Lindsay and faith. That there is a home, there's a maker, there's a city, a heavenly city that he's participating with that we get to go be with. He's just enjoying it a little bit quicker than we are. But this is temporal. This isn't our home. You know, that's not that's not our hope. You know, Danielle's hope didn't stop when her mom went to be with the Lord. It continued on. Why? Because she had a hope in God. She had a hope in the heavenly city, in the in that King. And so, anyway, it's so funny. I don't I don't feel like the Lord the Lord was definitely want me to just share this. This a quick, I always say a quick word. We'll see. But because I don't have much time anyway, um, which is fine. But I'm, I'm telling you, at 2.30 I get up in the morning I have to put wood on the fire. If I don't, it's out in the morning. Y'all heard that story. I was up here know, several months back. You know. The reality is if you don't stick fire, you know, you don't stick wood in the fire, it dies. If it dies, then you got to restart it. Best thing to do in your life is just continue to stir the fire. <laughs> continue to stoke it. How do you stoke it? We're going to talk about the presence of God. And that's it. And that's how you stoke the fire of the kingdom in you. And that's how Danielle had to do it. She was fervently, she was like, I'm fireball. Like, I'm not believing anything else but the truth of God. That was it. That's how she is standing here and she can sit here and say, I lost my mom, but I have no loss. That's how she can do it. And so it's, it's weird. I had to, so, at, so I get up at 2.30. And then, of course, if you're sharing, if you've never had that cool, crazy pleasure, then all of a sudden, what? I'm up, and now I start thinking. So now I can't go back to sleep. So I'm like, because the reality is, yesterday, I, I kind of knew what I was going to share about the whole time, but I, I had like, there's like 10 pieces, and I never could put the puzzle together. So then I'm like, stressed, stressed out, stressed out yesterday, last night. I'm like, all right. So I felt like I had all this together, and now it's not. And then the Lord just kept saying, you know, just keep walking. Keep walking, and there were some funny things in that. But I woke up at 4.30. I guess I had fallen back asleep. 4.30, 4.30, out of a dream. And this is a dream. That I am in the dwelling place. You know, places full of people. Um, I can still remember there's some special dance team that came. that was coming to dance. Had a lot of visitors. And um, I've, I had forgotten to get fully dressed. And that awesome part, if that shocks you, like, right, I mean, I'm surprised I didn't wake up right after that. I'm like, whoa, not fully dressed is a good, I won't even, so I'm not fully dressed. I come in, and there's, I think there was, it was funny, I think it was a region guy, but I didn't recognize him, but he, like, shared a testimony, and it almost went the whole time, and I knew I was supposed to be sharing, so I wasn't necessarily mad or anything, but I just, I just remembered it was some, some guy that just shared, was sharing a testimony. Maybe maybe that was the reality, and, and then um, and then we we ended the service. Tulio ended the service, and 
I, it was like this. I forgot to share the message. This message, I had forgotten to share the message. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I had that dream last night. So I'm going to share this message before we get out of here. because, And I am fully clothed. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I am fully clothed. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. But really, I mean, I mean, I just I started this really just because this really this men's encounter was really powerful for me. I, re, I really had gone into it probably probably coming out of the probably the hardest six months spiritually of my life. Might not have been necessarily six harder months of my life, but spiritually. Out of my life, kind of went into it, really not expecting really anything. I didn't ever tell that to Julia. <laughs> yes, Lord, and we really hadn't gotten together. I mean, really, we missed like three prayer meetings because of certain things. I missed one because of something. I just wasn't really even into it. Just going into it, you know, just in this place of, um, you know, there was probably a. a I remember, um, it was just a bit been a hard season. Been a hard season for a lot of people. Church, it's been a, you know a lot of transition. A lot of people have just moved on. You know, a lot of some people have left. You know, there's just this place on you know somebody like my heart that doesn't like anybody to leave. So anybody else leaving other than Chad and Desiree, just just hold that for a little while. But you know, there was just this reality that you know just started wearing in my heart, and to where I'd really gotten. Somewhat hopeless in, in a lot of things, you know. You know, I don't share that out in public a whole lot. But I mean, I think there was this place. And so, you know, and I, but I can still remember this this one service about two years ago. I mean, it was totally second service, totally packed. I mean, from a from a physical perspective, things were going crazy good. You know, from everybody, you know, being here, crazy good. But I can still remember this place that man, I didn't feel his presence, and it didn't matter. One single bit, whether this packed place was full, whether this place we, whether somebody had a good message or whatever, I just like I remember struggling in that moment. And it was a weird moment <laughs> for me because you know you think that was a good moment, you know, place is full, everybody's going, everybody seems to be, you know, doing well. But you know when this transition happened, that God was really calling us back to this apostolic church, and and then it just seems like you know just a lot of things transitioned since then. You know, you get back to that place. Of, you remember a year ago, and you know, I felt like the Lord really, the Lord did. I don't feel like the Lord did deliver me from fear and intimidation in a lot of ways. But in this last six months, I've let a lot of that, like, some stuff creep back in because I saw all this stuff. You know, it's nice when you see the place packed. I mean, at least you don't have to fight that battle. But then when you, it was probably the first season of my life where I felt like people were, like, things were, like, falling apart in certain ways in my own heart. And, my life and so all of a sudden I was you know kind of got in that fear and then when you get in that fear you start performing when you get in performance you get into this place of uh what I, I wrote it down you know I, re- I, le- I realized that some fear that led to performance that led to striving that led to back to fear that led to hopelessness and the Lord just really at this men's encounter you know we we got there and of course first thing that happened is you know we just go in you know I was trying to press in go into the go into this uh, place of uh, worship. First two songs were good. And then, then uh, BJ sings 
show me your glory, which I would not have picked for a guy's, just to be honest. I mean, I hadn't told him that, but I wouldn't have picked that for a guy's, you know, retreat. You're kind of getting going. But that's, a, you know, it's kind of a, I mean, it's a really awesome song, but I love the song, but I would not have picked it for that. But it was really neat. All of a sudden, you know, God, you know, if you've never heard that song, we've sung it before, but, you know, show me your glory. And there's a tag in there that says, I long to look on the face of the one that I love. Long to stay in his presence. That's where I belong. And that, I think out of any tagline and any ever, ever song, that is my absolute favorite. I, I, I'm stuck on that song and another song, and that's the ones I've been playing for two weeks straight. So there's a reality that all of a sudden he's, he he did that. I felt like all of a sudden the Lord just gave me a recall back. He's like, Mitch, you, you, your eyes have been on situation. Your eyes have been on circumstance. Your eyes have been on people. Your eyes have been on, you know, grumbling and complaining. Or your eyes have been on the fact that we have awesome people like the Chad and Desiree that, you know, are moving to a good place, you know, for them. And so there's a place that, you know, all that being turned up the glory and saying, get back to my presence. That's the only place that death can be dealt with. That's the only place that life can be dealt with, that I have to live. That's the only place that I am ever going to truly walk in a place of freedom in. And it was just amazing that all of a sudden, the, the neat thing is that the Lord gave me that, and I, I started speaking some scripture out of this Exodus 33 that I'll share with you. But And then all of a sudden, Daniel... Wheeler gets up there, and he, he hasn't, we haven't even talked. I haven't even talked to Daniel what he's going to share. He's sharing the first teaching out of the notes, but he, he changes it. He didn't change the essence of it. He just changed the picture of it. And all of a sudden, it was like, <laughs> it was uh, the, I mean, the Egypt, Red Sea, uh, you know, wilderness, promised land. And all of a sudden, I'm like, good night. I mean, the Lord was just like, showed, and the Lord showed up all weekend like that. It was just so amazing and the lord just really brought me back to this place of his presence and he took me to exodus 33 and if you want to flip there you can you're not already there I, i'm i can't remember if i threw i just did enough powerpoint just to throw this long scripture up there because i knew it mostly it was just going to be in this one scripture and, and if you go to 33 1 i just wanted this is just kind of a challenge word to us as a body uh a life word, I believe. I think it's going to be a foundation word that we're going to have to live on and grow in. And, and I think it is the foundation of our church. I think it's a recall to that. Um, it's interesting, right before this, I mean, if you know the story, you know, Moses went up, spent 40 days and 40 nights in this on this mountain. And all of a sudden, uh, he heard the Lord say to him, go back down, the people that you've, brought out of Egypt that are now doing what? Have made this golden calf and now they're sacrificing to this calf. So y'all know that story, okay? So he comes back down, um, all that thing's going on, and, and then the Lord gets to it gets to this place right here. And the Lord spoke to him. The Lord had gotten to a place where he was just, you know, I guess done <laughs> in certain ways, as you would say it. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, go from here, you and your pe- the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the ites. I'll just, pray, just put all those. Are the, uh, that's what I call them. They, whatever the ites are in your land, that's what he's wanting to get rid of. Hallelujah. All right. And he says, go up to a land 
flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go with you in your midst, because you're an awesome people, lest I destroy you on your way. And all of a sudden, the Lord, and the Lord just kept reminding me of that place. It's like, you know, really, I mean, in certain ways, this would have been an easy word for a lot of, a lot of it. What? Promised land? Milk and honey? Let's go. Like, he's going to drive out all the, he's going to drive out everybody for us. We have an easy, free access to get to the promised land. But there's one thing missing. And I felt like the Lord was just asking this question today. You know, and it's almost, it goes along with that, that testimony. Will I choose the promised land or will I choose the presence of God? Because that's where Moses is. That's where the people of God are. There's, the, the heat, God has given them free reign to go to the promised land. He just says, I'm not going to go with you. And the Lord's saying, Bring, he brought me back to that place. I love it if you just uh, if you flip on over to I might have put it up there, um, fourteen. You know Moses. Oh, sorry, actually, follow down there. So what does Moses do right away? So Moses is in this place of gosh, well God's offered promised land without presence. So what do I? What am I going to take? And so what does he do? Does he kind of? Jump in with all the other people. The other people in verse 4, what? When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning. Okay, did he do that? Did he just get in this place? Well, gosh, well, I guess we'll just have to go on up to the promised land without him. But, you know, it's so tempting because that the offer is there. But the reality was is that um, Moses does something. He goes to where he always went, and that's to where the presence of God. Look, I love this. Came... Um, and Moses, I think it started in 7. Let's see what that next one is. Moses used to take the tent, verse 7, pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. It came about after whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship at his own tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to a friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So, I mean, I feel like that the Lord is just calling us back to that season of just this place of Moses, like where where do we go in this place of mourning? Like when everybody else is mourning, when everybody else is like everything else is caving in, where do I go? Well, I'm encouraging you to go outside your situation, go outside the camp and find that place of presence again. Find that place that you can get with him one-on-one, walking with the Father. Jesus did that all the time, didn't he? I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, if it's good enough for Jesus, man, it better be good enough for me or I'm in trouble. Like Jesus, Jesus had it pretty much all together, and he still got away from the crowd, got away from the circumstances, and went to be with the presence of Jesus. I love that about Joshua too. Joshua, when Moses would go back to the camp, he, Joshua would just stay there at the tent meeting. Why? Because I think he knew the, the secret to success: his presence. Why do you think God? Why do you think God chose Joshua to take the people on in? Because he understood the presence. He understood there's no way you get across the Jordan 
without the presence of God. How did they get across the Jordan? What 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 was what was the big part of that? The Ark of the Covenant, right? Ark of the Covenant, presence of God. You don't get across places. You don't go to the other side without His presence. You know that's the place God wants to just draw us back to. So Moses intercedes and goes on behalf of the Lord. Goes on behalf of the Lord for the people. And in fourteen, God says, "All right, all right, my presence shall go with you. I will give you rest." And I just love this about Moses, and I want it to be the cry of my heart. This is like it. I love this. Thus he said, "If your presence doesn't go with us, do not move us from this place." He's like, I don't want promised land without your presence. I don't want the things of this. Anything that I could gain in this world is lost without your presence, without who you are in my life. And so I just want to encourage us, take us back to that place. If if your presence doesn't go with us, do not lead us up from here. And this is the verse that keeps grabbing my heart's attention for this body. Because it says, for how, then verse 16, For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight and your people? Is it not by you going with us? So that we and I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people of the land. You're being distinguished in this place isn't because you're going to be a good person and you're going to do good things. There's a lot of people out in this world that are doing good things, good good heart, good life. I mean, they're living the American dream. That won't distinguish you from this, all the people of the world. What distinguishes you from all the people of the world? His presence. Man, I know that's one reason he sent his Holy Spirit, so he could live within us. But I also believe that there's a manifest presence of God walking, and I'll get to it, walking, in, dwelling in us and walking among us. God, I want the both and. Because when you're facing death, I need to not only have God dwelling in me, I want Him to be present in that room. To walk somebody through death, you need His presence. Like to walk somebody through that place. You know, to walk people through addiction or through hard times in their life, through whatever. I can give them a lot of good words, but the words don't really mean much apart from His presence. Like that's what really really takes us to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And so, um, you know, I love I love that. I, and I feel like the Lord's saying, dwelling place, be distinguished. Like, be distinguished. So how is that? Like, how, how does that look? Well, it looks different for a lot of different people. I mean, I love the Swifties of this life. And, you know, he, he shakes when the presence is on him. <laughs> Y'all know Mr. Swiftie, right? You know, other people weep. Other people, you know, but God's just saying, you know, just create this environment at your in your home, in your workplace, wherever that is. God wants to. There is a place of His presence that God wants to bring back. If you maybe if you've just gotten out of that season, God wants to bring it back. I'd gotten out of that season because my eyes were fixed here, here. My eyes were fixed on physical. My eyes were fixed on circumstance and situation. And I got to a place, really, like I said, there was places, I wasn't hopeless in terms of God not coming and God not doing the work. I was hopeless 
in my even my thought, thinking that I had any thought of ability to help help create that. But now I do because it's the same thing as Moses. Moses didn't have it. I mean, you go through, but you go through, you go watch Moses. We don't even have time to do that. But uh, maybe I'll come back to it you know, next time I speak or something. But I mean, the reality of him him trying to get out of what God had called him to was funny. I mean, it was like, no, God, I've called you. And even when anyone, even when he called him, he, he said. How am I going to go to Pharaoh? How am I going to go do all these this delivering thing that you're talking about? Well, God didn't say, well, because you're going to be a good spokesman, and you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and you're going to do that. The first thing he said is, I'm going to do what? I will be with you. Period. That's the first thing. That's the only way I, that somebody can deliver a nation from Pharaoh, that God's with them. Definitely not in his own power. That's for sure. Definitely not in that. And I love this next phrase in verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by what? Name. Oh, wow. I don't remember what time it was. So it, um, I have known you by name. That's, that, that is my heart. I want God to know me by name. I know he does, I mean, and I know he calls me by name. I've heard that voice. But there's a place where I think the Moses, the Joshua, the ones that, they, those that got out into that place of his presence. The problem is, is that the clash of this culture tries to, I feel like, dumb down the body of Christ to believe that that is only for certain people or that's for them, not for me. I'll just kind of go along in this life. I'm not worthy. I'm this, that, and the other. Why did Jesus come and go on the cross? For the penalty of your sins. Absolutely. But there was something else that he did when he went to the cross. There was something that was torn. There was a veil that was torn that only allowed certain people, yes, to go into the presence of God. And so he did. He took that place of of his presence, and he says, I'm making it available to you. I love that Hebrews passage. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with you, that all shall know me from the least to the greatest. If you think you're the least this morning, awesome. You'll still know God. You can, you can have an opportunity to know God. Are you the, if you think you're the greatest, maybe you should rethink that. That's okay. I mean, I, mean, I think you can think you're great among the. I think you, know, you can believe that, not in an arrogant way. I think you can believe that. You can believe that. Because a lot of times we'd be like, wow, I wish, wish I was Moses. Like, man, he really did the stuff. <laughs> go, listen, go walk with him through that thing. Whew. You know, he was, he was not thinking he was going to make it a lot of times. Why? Certainly I will be with you. That's, that's it. That's it. And so, you know, I think about another passage I was going to share about, you know, you, how are we distinguished? I mean, think about even David when he, when all of a sudden, you remember that scenario where the Philistines came and overtook them and took their, took the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, you know, what we would consider the presence of God. Can I, let me, forget, before I forget, when Moses was up there those 40 days, what was he getting? Okay, most of us remember the, Ten things that he got, and those are the what? Ten commandments. Okay, he got those. Yes. 
What was most of the rest about? How to create a what? Tabernacle of God. He was getting the blueprints of how to create a house for the presence of God to be able to walk in. That's why he went up there. All of a sudden, after that, they built the tabernacle. They established the presence of God. Did they understand the presence of God? I mean, they should have if anybody else did. Because, I mean, I I don't know about you. If you go to your house and you look over to, you know, somewhere else and you see this big column of fire coming down at night, or if you see this crazy, incredible cloud coming at day. I don't know if any of you guys see that, but that's what they saw. When they got the tabernacle built, boom, the presence, the glory of God filled it, and God led them by the cloud by day and the what? Fire by night. And so there's this place that God's saying, they understood that. That's why they were sad. They understood that what they were doing, what they had done, is they were asking God to not be with them in that whole golden calf thing. And I think we all have our golden calf moments, lest we try to judge the people of Israel. You know, there's a place that we go chase after the gold cow. I mean, he was only up there 40 days. And they saw the craziness of, I mean, they it, it's said in the Bible, you know, basically when the, the cloud came down, it looked like a it was being burned, like it was just fire coming off. So maybe they thought he was just toast, I guess. They could have thought that. And so they, he delayed, you know. He, he was up there 40 days, 40 nights, getting the game plan of the presence of God. That's what he was doing. Now, the ten, you know, Ten Commandments, all those, those were kind of the, I always call them the bumper pads of life. I mean, you know, you ever go bowling, you ever need those little uh, things that you throw up, you know, so that your ball doesn't get in the gutter. If you're a professor, professional, that's fine. If you're not, some of us need those, you know, bumper pads. Those were the Ten Commandments. You know, those were the bumper pads of like, oh, whoa, I'm, I'm about ready to murder. Maybe I should rethink some stuff. I mean, we shouldn't really get to that bumper pad of life, I would hope, right? I mean, once I get there, I'm in trouble, right? You know, but the reality was is that most of what he was receiving was the, the game plan of how he could be with you. That was it. Cool part is that in the new covenant, Jesus made even a better plan, a better covenant, and he rent the veil and he says, "Now I am with you." He sent the Holy Spirit. There is that place. And so there's this place that God wants to take us. And and so I definitely do not have time to say all that I wanted to say. But at the same time, I think that's all that needs to be said. Because it's really that recall to that place of his presence. You know, and not allowing the collision of culture. This culture wants to busy our lives. This culture wants to not even busy our life, busy your mind. Uh, believing lies that are not true, believing um, in a, like for me, in, in a traditional setting that I walked in, I never even believed God ever wanted me to be in his presence. Before I before I came into a nice little Bible study at Radford, Virginia, back in this guy named Rick Sizemore was teaching, I never believed God wanted me to be in his presence. And that was a sad fact. I mean, I'm 20-some years old, and I believe that I felt like the Lord never even wanted me to be there. You know, and that I think that's what awakened something in me. I'm like, man, I don't know where I've been all my life, but this is good stuff. Even though I didn't like 
when I came into the whole Bible study, I didn't like anything about worship, anything about like that looked outside of normal because I didn't know what that was. And so it was fearful for me. So the presence of God has always been a either non-issue because I didn't know God wanted me to be in his presence or a fearful thing and an unknown. I just didn't know about it. But I can tell you, I mean, I wish I had time to just tell testimony of God just showing up in his presence like this or just even in my you know, own walk with him, how God shows up in that. But there's this place that God wants to bring us back to that. And I love this. If, if you go on, then let's just read real quick. Then Moses said, I pray, show me your glory. That was that whole song that I heard at the encounter. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. Isn't that all? I mean, isn't that what Danielle said? Yeah, she asked us, will we be, what was the, the one phrase I had written down? Um, Receive his pleasure. Look for his goodness. If I'm going to look for his goodness, then I have to look for his presence because that's where it's at. Because look, I love this. And he said, so, so Moses is saying, I want to see your unveiled face. I want to see all of who you are. Of course, Jesus says, you can't look at my face or else you're going to you know, kick over. So what is he going to show him? If he's going to show him anything, is he going to show him crazy power? Is he going to show miraculous might? Is that going to get you going? Get you zealous and get you all that? Or is he going to do something like this? And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. That's what it is. That, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, show compassion on whom I show compassion. For you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there in the rock. And when I come by there, I will cover you. So now if you flip over, if you're following on the Bible, and I'm not sure how much, you'll probably have to skip a bunch of stuff there. Um, chapter 34, um, 4. So he's going back up. He's cutting two stone tablets like the former ones because he ditched the other ones when he went down the mountain. He got mad at the people too and threw, the, threw them down. So now the Lord is recarving those the lord had commanded him he took two stone tablets in his hands verse 5 chapter 34 and the lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the lord so moses is calling on his name god descends in the cloud and so what happens now then the lord passed by in front of him this is that whole cleft of the rock this is when he's passing by now remember what's he going to declare he said i'm going to declare to you a name when i pass by over in verse 33, or chapter 33, uh, uh, somewhere down there. Uh, uh, somewhere under there. Uh, verse 33, I cannot find it right away. But he said, I'm going to make, I'm going to show you my name. All right, so the name is in verse, chapter 34, verse 6. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. This is his name. That's what he's declaring to Moses. 
If you're going, if you want the glory of God, know that. Now there's a facet that you know he said, you know the guilty won't go unpunished. It will go on to the third and fourth generation. But there there's a reality that that God wants to say, I am compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, abounding in truth. I keep loving kindness for a thousand. I forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's my glory. That's who I am. So I think that's what God wants to get us back to, that he, the place of his goodness, his loving kindness, his presence, his life in us. You know, I think that's going to, I think that's where God's calling us back to. That's where God's calling us back to. And, and the cool part about that, and if you go on over to verse 29, I don't think I put it in there so you don't don't look for it. I love that. So Moses comes back down. And so when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near. And Mo, um, oh, well, I went to speak this, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with God. His time and his presence with God made him distinct, didn't it? <laughs> made him distinguished among everybody else. So much that they had to put a veil. All right. Maybe my prayer is that everybody's going to come back in here wearing a veil next week. A veil to the place where, man, sorry. I mean, I'm, see, watch. Beep. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, if you, sorry, I didn't mean to blind you there, you know. Yeah, didn't mean to. But isn't that, that, that's what his heart is. The cool part is that God already broke the veil. You you have it shining on you. just felt like I wanted to speak this to you, Will, that you know, this time the Lord is shining strong in you. You're a man that's going to stand this time. That you know everything else is gone, done, past. You're, you are a man of the kingdom, and God's. I, I can already see the the sun shining off your face, and God's going to continue to do that in you. Like no loss, like no loss. Everything else will be gained from here. Like this day forward, this day forward, you know, gain. I just felt like that the whole time, as soon as I saw you this morning, I'm sorry I had to speak that. I just felt like the Lord, I think, I feel like there's some prophetic stuff that I just felt like, I know we're out of time. I don't know if you have anything. Yeah, either one. Either one. I just, uh, recently, um, I mean, it's hard without being able to draw, but uh, I've been, um, a lot of y'all have heard me say this even recently, but uh, I've just consistently be seeing, been seeing these uh, wavelengths everywhere that I've been going. Uh, different sizes, different shapes, um, you know, and it's it's almost like, um, kind of like what Mitch was saying, that it um, feels like that the, the season right now is that... Uh, that there's a consistent wavelength that's always God that has moved for moved from the beginning till the end, um, and not to get too much into time, but and how all that fits together. But God, um, there's a consistent wavelength that's God, and, and it feels like that what He's doing right now is that He's bringing synchronization. Mm-hmm. That um, there's places in our life that we've operated in one wavelength, and we've touched some of the aspects of this consistent wavelength of God throughout our lives, um, but it feels like he's bringing us to a place of synchronization 
to where we don't depend on the speed and um, the things that we've done in the past. Well, God is always moving fast 10 years ago, so I need to move fast because that's where God's at. Or God was always moving in this place of, um, of love and energy and praise and excitement and joy, um, so that's where I need to go to to find the Lord. Um, the Lord's always consistent, but He's always different. Um, and it feels like He's bringing us to a place of synchronizing with Him, to when the Lord's fast, we're fast, and when the Lord's slow, we're slow. And when he's excited, we're excited. But when he's at rest, we're at rest. Um, and it feels like he's so adamantly, like, determined to do this, that he's not allowing things to happen when we're out of sync. Um, it, and things feel really hard sometimes right now. Um, but it, it, you can look through all throughout Scripture, and it, you see like God speak to Joshua, and he'll say, go and take, you know, the Hivites, or go and take the... Jebusites, or he'll t- speak to David and he'll say, go and take this land or go and take that land. But then he speaks to Joshua one time about going to Jericho and he says, now when you go to Jericho, you walk around the wall seven times a day and then on the last day you walk around seven times and you blow the trumpets. And he was very specific and he said, this is how you do it. Um, all the rest of the times he said, just go take this land. And they, you know, they may have been, well, well, what does that look like? And God said, just go take the land. And they said, well, you know, this is what we're thinking about doing. And he's like, oh, that sounds great. Go take the land. Um, and it, it feels like there's times like that when God asks you to do something and he gives you all these options about what that could be. And all the options and all the things that you come up with, he's like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, that, you know, let's go do that. But then there's other times when he comes and it's like at Jericho and he speaks very specifically and he says, do this. And if you get outside of doing this or that, it's not that the Lord leaves you, but it, it's almost like you've walked out of this place of synchronization with the Lord. And uh, it feels like he's so adamantly about it right now that he's drawing mm-hmm. us into this place to where nothing works besides the thing that he's drawing us to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that that's probably not really extremely clear. <laughs> um, but consistently what Mitch was even saying about Moses there when he was crying out and he said, Lord, I won't go up without you. And he just waited on the presence of the Lord. It just feels like it's the season that we're at. Where the Lord's saying, don't move until I move. Mm-hmm. And when he moves fast, we move fast. And when he moves slow, we move slow. Um, and we've got to be okay with that. Um, I remember early on, there was always some really quick signals of when the Lord was doing stuff with me. I would shake all over. I'd cry. I, wouldn't, I would try to talk to people, and it would all come out in tongues. And they would look <laughs> at me like I was crazy. Um, you know, and I would think I was talking English the whole time. Um, you know, just crazy weird signs would go on. And so at some point, those signs left. And the Lord was still asking me to do the same things. And in my heart, it was really easy for me to get into this place of struggling and feeling like the Lord left me because the signs left. Well, this was always God. When I started crying and when I started shaking and, and when this stuff happened, that's when the Lord was doing stuff. And eventually what happened is the Lord pulled all of it away and he started asking me to do things. Now, he did that because there was a place of maturity that I was walking into. And the Lord said, I don't want you to depend on signs. I want you to depend on me. That's right. Um, and there's a... It feels like he's drawn us to this point where we don't depend on what we've always known. That we depend on who he is right now in this moment. And it may be completely different than anything we've known before. If your place has always been finding the Lord with joy and laughing and and jumping and, and energy and all this stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe the Lord's calling you to a season of rest where you sit and you rest in the presence of God and you experience the awe and the wonder of God. 
Um, maybe if you've been in that place, he's drawn you to a place of the joy and the excitement of the Lord. And, and I don't know what that looks like. And I don't think it's one thing for us all corporately. I think it's something different individually. Um, but I just uh, I can't get out of that feeling that it feels like he's so adamantly about getting us in sync that he's not allowing things that are out of sync to even go anywhere right now. I disagree with that word. I mean, I think that's where, where I was at personally. I was, last six months I've been out of sync. That brings hopelessness. Felt like the men's encounter got me back in sync, you know, with life, with with the presence of God, and and I think that's what Jared's you know speaking to. And so, you know, um, I just want us to stand. I'm just gonna really just pray something over us. Um, yeah, parts of me want would love an hour us to have an extra hour and. Worship and, you know, just go into that word and believe for that word. But I think that it's going to start individually. Like with people, it's going to start with you. You know, I think it's sometimes easier when, like, everybody on the laminate's doing something and then I get to go participate in that. That's, that's like, I like that because I'm a person that likes to at least not get, drawn out myself, I, I can do something in the crowd. But the Lord's saying that it really starts with you. And the place that I think Ben took us me back to this morning when he was when we were in prayer, he was just saying, you know, God laid out the tabernacle, every piece, every little facet of it, and everybody had a piece and part of that. What you bring. So when they, when they went back and started the, the tabernacle, what did they do? They asked everybody to bring a what? contribution what what the presence of god was doing in them so that's that's the i feel like that's the word the presence of god i believe god is doing something in our midst dwelling place but i think even the more significant one is in your midst in you to bring you to that place because then you talk about however many of us are in here over 100 i mean if we're all shining like the face of the glory of God, I can tell you what, this place, you know, you just, you won't be able to handle that, which is a good thing, because we don't always need to be in control. God, I just, uh, I just simply ask God that uh, you teach us how to wait, God. God, that you would teach us how to wait. God, not not be idle where we just sit by and do nothing, but God, teach us how to wait. How to look for you, God. How to pursue you. God, I can... Uh, I can feel the stirring, God, in people's hearts, God, their hunger. God, the place where they're just crying out. God, even in passion. God, for interaction with you. God, for that longing of, uh, like Moses, God, of just being in your presence. God, not to see you jump through hoops or not to even put hoops before you, God, but like Moses said, we want to know you and know your ways. We want to know your ways, God. We want to know who you are in the depths, God. So, God, I just release 
God. I just speak a release of a God of rest. Yes. I speak a, re- a re- release of rest over us individually, God. God, that we would understand. God, we would understand when to wait. We would yes. understand when to move. God, I ask that you would give us signs. God, like Moses saw, when the fire moved, he moved. Mm -hmm. And when it stopped, he stopped. Mm -hmm. God, I pray that you would give us those signs, God, while we need them. God, that we would see when you move and we would move with you. Mm -hmm. We would know when to rest, God, because you're not moving. God, I just speak. I just break off busyness. Busyness and anxiety, God. It tells us that if we're not moving, if we're not doing things, that God, that there's nothing that's going to happen. I just break that. God, that it's okay to rest and allow you to move. Allow you to move, God, and then we can join in with what you're doing. God, I just pray for that, an understanding of rest, God. God, I know in First John it says that Beloved, it has not appeared yet is what we will be, but when we see Him, we'll be like Him because we see Him as He is. And then right after that, it says that He who has His hope fixed on this purifies Himself just as He is pure. And you promised in Matthew, God, that the the pure in heart will see God. And so, God, I just ask for that, that our hope would be set on seeing Mm -hmm. You like You are, God. Mm -hmm. And in that hope being established, God, that we will see You. Yes. We'll see You, God. We don't have to do this alone, God. We don't have to wander around, God, just lost. God, I just pray that that weariness and the feeling of just being lost and wondering, God, God, that it would be lifted. God, that you would bring vision. God, you would bring direction. God, very pointed direction. God, you would bring purpose where there's no purpose right now. Just ask, God, that you would just break off that feeling of wondering lost, God. You would come and find the ones that feel lost, God. You come to the one outside of the 99, God, and you bring them back to the 99 so that they're moving with you and with the group, God. And I pray that you would do that. You would find the ones that are on the outside, God, and you would bring them back. And that we could move together in unity, God. We can move together in unity, God. And God, I don't believe that you've left. Mm-hmm. I do not mm-hmm. believe that you've mm-hmm. left us, God. That's right. Mm-hmm. God, I will not listen to the lies, God, yes. that say that you've left us, yes. God, that you've abandoned us, God. That's right. That is not your character and nature. Mm-hmm. Reveal yourself to us again, God. Mm-hmm. Individually, God, and corporately. Mm-hmm. We wait for you, God. Mm-hmm. We wait for you. One, uh, one more thing, just everybody's eyes closed, just real quick. I felt like the Lord just said, just felt like there's some people just need to you know, respond right there in your chair that, you know, that maybe you've been in that same season of maybe that same six weeks that you've just been overwhelmed by hopelessness or maybe just by setting your eyes on circumstances or things and you just have not experienced the presence of God and you just, and that you just want to acknowledge that and I just want to pray over something over you, if that's you just... Just lift up your hand if you've been in that place. 
alongside. I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. Thanks for those hands. Father, I just want to pray, Lord, right now. I just pray for that spirit of Joshua to be on them, God, that a place that they would not move, God, from that tent. God, they would not move from that place of your presence, God, that God, that we would be able to walk in that place, that God, even when everybody else is going back into the city and doing their own thing and doing this, that God, that even if we're in the midst of the city, God, that we could be men and women of your presence, God, just as Joshua did. He needed that to be able to lead a people into the promised land. He he knew that, God, that promised land without presence, God, doesn't equal victory. God, he, he believed that, Lord, that he had to have you, the ark that had to go before him, God, and so, Lord, we just declare that right now in Jesus' name, God, just for that spirit of Joshua, just that spirit of Moses is desiring to be in you and in your presence, God, would be up among us. God, on a personal level, God, that will, I believe, God, to stir up the, 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 the place of his presence in this corporate setting. So, Lord, I'm praying that, God, I just pray that they would, their faces would shine forth like the brightest sun, Lord God, from that place, God, that there's going to be new things that they see uh, as they go there. There's going to be new ways that they hear when they go there. There's going to be new ways they walk when they walk there, God. We just thank you for that. God, Moses was never the same, God. He was never the same, and Joshua was never the same, God. We thank you for that. And we just ask in Jesus' name for these things to be done. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, if we had more time... I would keep talking or we would keep walking in some uh, worship or something. But go in his presence, go seek his presence, go be men and women of his presence. And we will see you tomorrow, next week, if not before.